Mimeo Talk of the Trade, sharing marketing and sales success stories. Hey everyone, Mike McNary here with another episode of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast. On this show, we share marketing and sales success stories. Our hope is that you, our audience, get some great takeaways and skills to deploy in your everyday revenue mission. To do that, we have proven sales and marketing leaders come on and talk about what they're seeing, how they overcome obstacles, and how they're winning in the marketplace. The title of today's episode is The Global Sales Shortage and How to Fix It. Let's talk about why it's so hard to hire and keep salespeople, why we need to consider it a problem, and how we can fix it. For that conversation, we have Alan McGuire. Alan is the founder of Entrepreneurial Sales Institute, ESI. Alan, we're really excited to have you today. Yeah, thanks very much, Mike. Great to be here. For uh, the folks in our audience who might not be familiar with you or with ESI, why don't you tell them a little bit about your organization? Yeah, ESI is a, a, a pretty young business, actually. It's only three years old. We, we spun it out of an incubator vehicle that we have, my co-founder, Johnny Parks, and I. Um, and it was founded really to, to grapple with this problem that we recognize that's somewhat hiding in plain sight, which is that there is a a shortage of, of talent out there for sales organizations to hire. We were intrigued by this. Uh, we spent years researching the issue and, and, and kind of built a solution around the fact that the skill of selling is, is infinitely more complex today than it ever was before. And there aren't many places to go and learn and develop and certify those skills. So, so ESI provides a uh, learning skills development and certification platform for the skills that salespeople need to operate at a high level of performance today and, um, and the skills that employers want their salespeople to have. Uh, we sell it as a, it's a digital learning solution and we sell it as a SaaS platform. That's awesome. Uh, listen, as a sales leader myself, uh, I can imagine that there's a lot of value in having a you know, prescribed approach to how you're deploying sales training, you know, not only for individuals who are trying to improve their own skills, but organizations that are trying to you know, improve their entire teams. And it's not that easy, right? There's a lot out there and you wonder what to go with, what's going to be most effective. And, you know, uh, furthermore, do you stick with it long-term? So it sounds like you guys have, have uh, figured out a, a key to the market, which is great. Thank you. What's your favorite part about uh, working at ESI? You know, you said it's, it's a younger business, but it sounds like you're passionate about what you're doing and the, the need that you're filling. Uh, what do you like most about your day-to-day? Yeah, we're, we're we're very fortunate. So so we're based here in Dublin in Ireland, Mike. So 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 that's the first thing that's that's hopefully a bit different about us. We're learning technologists by background, Johnny and I. Um, so we're very passionate not just about sales, but about learning um, and learning in the workplace in particular, and where technology can can really make learning a different and more a more valuable experience for individuals. Um, and I suppose what's fabulous for us is that we can form a business in Dublin, as I say, only three years ago. And in a short space of time, and, and somewhat helped by the pandemic, to be fair, but in a short space of time, you know, sell internationally, have conversations like this with people all over the world and have a client base and a partner base that that quite literally goes from Sydney to California 24, 7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, so that, that ability to, to reach globally um, with our solution in such a short space of time and, and the opportunity to scale globally all the time is probably the most exciting part of what we do. Yeah, I'd imagine that's got to be pretty rewarding, knowing that you're impacting salespeople across the globe. So why don't we jump into our topic for today? As I mentioned at the top, the title of our episode is The Global Sales Shortage and How to Fix It. 
Now, uh, you know, the last year and a half, you mentioned the pandemic uh, a bit in your response there. Things have changed for a lot of organizations. Uh, have you seen uh, uh, certain companies looking to maybe migrate away from, we'll call them legacy learning solutions and coming to things like ESI or just trying to upgrade in general? What, what, do you have, what have you seen? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things going on um, in terms of this, the learning solutions that companies choose, but 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 perhaps the most and, and where the pandemic really accel- accelerated something that was happening anyway is the evolution of of sales uh, skills generally, and, and the fact that selling today, when we take a longitudinal view, which is over decades, selling today is an infinitely more sophisticated and complex skill set. Than it ever was before, and and I certainly I'm not going to put you in the same bracket, Mike, as as um as me age wise, but I you know I I can go back far enough when when you know sales was was and actually since time immemorial sales has been regarded as a pretty pr- crude and unsophisticated skill set. It's it's never really been regarded as a profession. It's never really been given the credit it deserves in terms of of how valuable it is to the organization, and and as a result, it turned into a kind of a job that people ended up doing when they couldn't do anything else. Uh, as opposed to an aspirational profession that people would want to do and, and pursue a career in. And I think there's loads of reasons for that. But in the last 40 years, um, the skill of selling has become ever more complicated. But buyers have become more professional and the arrival of digitization has made buyers ever more demanding of a better experience from salespeople. Um, and so I think there was an evolution that was happening anyway pre-pandemic, which, which was about a recognition by employers and, and indeed by practitioners that you know, wow, this is a pretty sophisticated, complex skill set that I have or that I need to have to operate at a level of high performance consistently. And it's time to give some recognition and validation for that. Um, and, and when we looked at the marketplace, we felt that was that was actually an, an anchor cause for this global shortage of talent, which is quite proven. Um, but also that there weren't many places one could go to develop those skills. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons for that is that the, the skills we're talking about, which are kind of high order cognitive skills, they're not easily developed in a linear course. That they need to be developed over time and on the job. And we feel that digital learning is 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 the best medium to do that. And, and that was why we built the product that we did. So I think I think there's still loads of room for uh, offline training and, and virtual classroom-based training and, and and courses in the traditional sense of the word. Um, but I think now there's extra demand on the part of employers for maybe slightly more innovative or disruptive digital solutions to go with that. Interesting. Yeah, I really like what you said there about, you know, sales training and learning being nonlinear. I couldn't agree more. Think about how many different scenarios that a salesperson is going to have to navigate, you know, whether it's uh, objection handling or discovery, you know, every situation is different. And there's so many things that you just don't know how you're going to navigate the situation until you see it. Right. And it's really that, uh, you know, whether it's making the calls, getting in front of customers or doing what I've always thought is an effective part of training, you know, a component, not not the whole thing, of course, is role plays. Right. Because it gives you the opportunity to put yourself in the shoes of a hypothetically real situation and you can kind of bounce around and it has that nonlinear component. Yeah, and so much of it as well is based upon um, what the salesperson needs at a particular point in time. And that isn't just... um, that isn't just about their own skill development or career development. I mean, you can only develop so many, it's kind of, there's instructional science about the fact you can only develop so many skills at a particular point in time. But right. a huge amount of what drives a salesperson's needs is where their book of business is at a particular time. You know, sometimes you're knocking out of the park and, and, and you've got a bunch of deals to close right now, but you're struggling at the top of the funnel. 
Sometimes you're struggling to get some deals out of a log jam. Sometimes it's all about closing. Sometimes it's dealing with the C-suite and presenting to them. And, and that requires different skills at different times. And, and, and the salesperson sometimes needs to tap into um, what they need when they need it. And, and again, the, the beauty about it, digital modalities generally, and, 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 and what hopefully we designed is that it gives people that entirely self-paced, just in time. You know, we talk about learning at lunchtime and applying in the afternoon. You, you learn what you need to learn when you need to learn it, and you apply it in real time to improve your performance. And digital allows allows one to do that. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. And I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, man, I wish it was just easier, right? Why couldn't it just be the same all the time? And you could develop some scalable approach and you know uh, deploy it every day, uh, you know, as an individual or as a team. But you're right. You know, sometimes you need to uh, weigh your efforts and your skills more heavily in one area versus another, depending on what's happening in your particular market or the broader market, right? So um, that's big. And reps who can't do that, or whether it's closers or even towards the top of the funnel, if they can't pivot, right, and uh, you know, be nimble to address what is needed at that time. That's that's a hole in in their skill set that's going to affect them. Uh, you know, their attainment their uh, professional development and their earnings, right? So this is real. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and the, the, the thing that, um, that, that even what you've described there and that ability to think in real time and adapt in real time to the circumstances that you're dealing with and the buyer that you're dealing with, because not every buyer is going to be the same. And um, that in and of itself is a really sophisticated skill. And, 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 you know, some might argue that's a skill that salespeople always needed to have but is that a premium now? Uh, I, I think there were times in the past, to your point, that you could be more formulaic. You, 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 could, you could be a bit more of a, right. of a set playbook or process-driven salesperson. Um, but these days, buyers are different and they're more sophisticated, they're better informed, and they demand a, a, they demand a salesperson who can think on their feet like you're describing there. And that in and of itself is a really sophisticated set of skills. No, I, I think you're you're right on. And uh, you see it more and more, especially on, you know, on the enterprise side and Think about just uh, alone the amount of decision makers that you know certain sales have involved in, in in that vendor review or partner review, and you know a salesperson's navigating many different stakeholders, a, a nuanced organizational structure, as well as you know trying to meet needs and in, in, in features and, and you know outline the benefits of those features to get a sale right. So yeah. it's there, there's a lot to it, and and I think. You know, what you're describing here is uh, something that addresses the realities of, you know, being a modern salesperson versus, hey, what we'd all like it to be, right? So um, good, on, good on you there. Uh, let me ask you this, right? So, so, you know, what I'm hearing is that, you know, there's a sales shortage, right? And, and you know, a root cause, I think, uh, historically has been maybe uh, people's viewpoint on sales as a career um, let's talk about that for a second. What do you think the viewpoint on sales as a career has been relative to maybe the more mainstream or we'll call them uh, you know recognized uh, success stories like you know someone becoming a doctor or an attorney or you know another stereotypically uh, sound profession for someone to go into? You know how are they different? Yeah, fascinating. I I, I um, ran a webinar with one of our partners a few months ago and. and it was for board level directors, so it was for it was for the directors of organizations. And, and I, I ran a, a quick Q and A beforehand, a bit of an icebreaker, where I asked them. And, and this, to your very point, Mike, these would be these would be lawyers, they'd be doctors, they, or lawyers and accountants, and 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 you know HR and talent professionals. And I'll come back to that point in a second. But I asked them all about how important sales was 
in the organization on a, on a scale of one to five. And in the chat comes through five, 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 ten, most important, most important. And then I said to them, um, okay, so that's fabulous. So we know it's the most important function of the business. How many of you wanted to be a professional salesperson? And, and none of them were. None of them were. None of them ever wanted to be. I asked how many of them would encourage their children to take up sales as a profession. And, and the answer was a kind of a resounding kind of tumbleweed, deathly silence. And, and there is this global dichotomy between the fact that it's the most important gig, it, it's the most high pressure, um, and, and, and we, we value it to that extent, but we're not prepared to kind of give it the respect it deserves in terms of being a, a highly skilled profession that, that deserves the same treatment and recognition that any other business profession does. Um, and I, I link that back to what, why are we all these, these, these lawyers and accountants, et cetera, because you can get a business degree in pretty much every business discipline that you need, either postgraduate or undergraduate. Um, and yet there's no degrees or there's very few degrees out there in sales. So, so from the get-go, there is this sense that, you know, we're going to, we have this really important function. We don't value it enough to have any kind of third level, you know, traditional business education in it. And so therefore, who's going to be attracted to do this really important job in the organization? Oh, and then, by the way, how do we treat them when we do get them? When we give them 90 days to perform or we're going to shoot them. And there's no hmm. other function. There's no other function in the business. There's no other function in the business that you would give them 90 days before you shoot them out of the organization. And, and, and there's just this, this, this complete, complete kind of disconnect between the fact that it's the most important function. Employers are beginning to recognize it's the most highly skilled. They can't get people with the right skills. And yet they don't invest anything to develop those skills. And, and, and what does that tell you about the perception of, 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 of the role in the business and how much organizations are prepared to, to invest in it? So, so, so there's, there's, there's a lot wrong with that picture over the last 10, or 10, 10, 20, 30 years. But as I say, I do believe, sorry, we see evidence of that changing now in, in real time. Well, which is good. And, and I think uh, everything that you just said is right on. And I can't, you know, one, think of, that many people that I've worked with or know or networked with that, you know, grew up and said, you know what, one day what I want to be is a sales leader, or I want to be uh, an account executive that closes uh, sales transactions and, and navigates complex sales processes, right? It's just not on the radar of so many people. But to your point, what we ask of people that are all of a sudden thrown into the deep end when it comes to sales, right? Maybe they realize at some point it's something they want to pursue or it's an avenue they get led down for another reason and they're giving it their all, but you know, they've had no prep uh, in terms of uh, you know, education or structuralized uh, uh, training on, on the topic or on the skill set. And you know what? It also makes it pretty astounding how many people are able to you know, really have great things come out of them and drive success and improvement from their themselves without this structured, uh, you know, uh, way to get there or path to become competent. Um, so many folks just have to kind of figure it out. And yeah. you, you see people all the time making it happen. And, and I just think about how many success stories I look at and say, wow, you know, that is very impressive that this or that person was able to uh, do what they've done. Right. So, um, I think what you're saying really resonates with me, and I hope it does with our audience. You mentioned a little bit about uh, the emergence of sales and, and marketing automation, how things have become, I think, more complex versus less so. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that and how that's impacting you know, how you approach uh, you know, uh, the work you do at ESI and how sales leaders out there should think about the problem. 
Yeah, I, I, the, the, this this for us was absolutely fascinating as we researched this 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 issue. And and again, to to, to reassure all, all your listeners, Mike, that this is a global problem. So it's cold comfort for people out there who struggle to attract and retain sales talent, but it's real and it's global. So you're not alone. And um, we found something fascinating around the emergence. If you go back to the noughties and 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 the emergence of um, you know sales technology stacks and marketing automation and and lead nurturing technologies, and and we'll probably all know. The top vendors in that space, and, and there's 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 dozens of them. Um, I think, and I, I I have massive value for what they have done to 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 streamline and automate the more mundane parts of the sales process. You know, and and I, and I I think the value that those technology stacks bring to salespeople, I, I only wish they were there when when I was starting out. But one of the curious narratives that evolved at the time was this perception that all this technology would effectively make salespeople redundant. You know, that, that right. I, I, yeah. I mean, we've written blog posts about other blog posts that talked about, I'll never hire another salesperson and who needs those pesky sales guys and thank God the end of the salespeople. I mean, genuinely death of a salesman narrative emerging right. all over the world. And um, and I think that what that did was it set back sales development, it set back the career that we just, the career perception we just talked about because, hey, these guys won't be around in 10 years anyway. Um, but it also set back investment in solutions to develop a resource that you felt you weren't going to need anymore. So, so there was kind of a double whammy there. Yeah. But actually, the way it played out um, is that all this wonderful technology did, did a number of things that, that couldn't have, have been more opposite than making the salesperson redundant. Um, what it did or what it does, this technology, is automate the more prosaic parts of sales. What that means is that the human being part of the sales process is the more complicated bit. It's the bit that the human brain can only do. And what that means is you have an even higher premium on the skills the salesperson needs to have. Your buyers are coming more informed. Your buyers are coming certainly well informed about your product set. So there's no need to spend all your sales or all your sales training dollars on just telling people about product. The buyer kind of knows a lot about the products that are out there by the time they're coming here. So all of a sudden, the engagement that they expect and the skills a salesperson needs to deploy, not only are they not redundant, they're even more complex and sophisticated than they were. And technology had that really strange, uh, strange kind of kind of result, which was, was far from removing the human element of sales. It actually enhanced and appreciated, uh, appreciated the human element of sales to a higher order skill set level. And, and, and as a result, salespeople, not only are they not redundant, but they need to be more skilled today than, than, than they were before. And I think because the industry didn't necessarily legislate for that, that probably that probably put everybody back further in terms of this talent and skills deficit globally, which is what we're what we're dealing with. That's the problem we're dealing with. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, one of those uh, law of unintended uh, circumstances, right? Or unintended consequences, rather. And uh, you think that uh, you're gonna you're gonna make everything easier and simplify, and and this is you know, this is easy. We figured it out, right? All of a sudden, you're not going to need to hire for this function anymore. And uh, look what we've got for you. Uh, try it out. But you're right. The reality is uh, removing a salesperson from a modern sales cycle is very unlikely because it's become more and more reliant on a competent individual to uh, navigate, you know, the complexities, but also the uh, educated uh, uh, level that the buyers are coming to the sale with, right? And yeah. the information they can drive on their own, you have to uh, really concentrate and, and uh, address such a, a multifaceted, uh, uh, you know, we'll call it a set of, you know, needs, uh, questions, you know, requirements, as well as, uh, you know, uh, convince a lot of folks that you are the differentiator amongst, you know, maybe a competitive landscape. 
So there's a lot there. And, uh, you know, I, I can also remember, uh, you know, seeing a lot of that too, right? You know, who needs humans for sales, right? This AI <laughs> or this automation tool. And, you know, I, I don't think I was ever really worried, but it, it does make you take a step back if you are a salesperson, right? Thinking, oh, no, one day I'm going to be, uh, it's going to be a robot doing my job, right? Or, or some yeah. sort of algorithm. Yeah, big time. And, and and it didn't, I mean, not, not, there was a, there was much of a momentum towards kind of, you know, raising the profile of sales as this aspirational career anyway, but it certainly wasn't going to start getting loads of parents, you know, mums and dads throughout the land saying, you know, to little Johnny or Jane, but look, let's start thinking about being a salesperson when the whole profession is going to be eradicated in the next 10 years. So that didn't help. And, and I suppose all of these different vignettes are all part of, um, all part of the, the 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 root cause for us anyway in our thesis the root cause of this of this talent shortage globally you know which 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 dwarfs the talent shortage in any other discipline in business or in fact in in in, in other domains yep yeah i think even uh, in the best of times you know as a sales leader i can say that i've always uh, wished that there was more right more folks that fit the bill uh, that had the uh, relevant experience and or you know training or certification that, that we're talking about today uh, to, to take on a position that might be within my organization, talk to other people that are facing the same challenges. And now it's just become, you know, for, like you just said, for so many different reasons, right? It, it's a multifaceted problem that, uh, you know, is probably going to be a difficult one to solve in one fell swoop. But it sounds like, you know, uh, you guys are taking a, a, a serious approach that has real impact on getting folks ready to be effective in this uh, profession, which is great. So, uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, we're talking about the sales shortage, what's led to it and, you know, where we're at today and in, in how automation has, has kind of played a role. Is the impact of some of these things uh, greater in certain specialties? For instance, you know, do we see that the market is uh, more lean and, and difficult to hire for, say, sales development, top of funnel stuff? Or is it closers? Is it experienced sales leadership? Or is it pretty universal across the board? What's your take on that? Yeah, so, so that's like that, that, that's really fascinating because I think then you get into this, this notion and this articulation. Well, what do we mean by sales in the first instance? And, and, and where, where does sales begin and end? Where does marketing begin and end? Uh, we, we certainly we certainly see that the, the the broad skill set as being a, for want of a better phrase, a commercial skill set. And 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 you know, in in the industry, there's a lot of talk about transversal skills and the relevance of these skills throughout the business domain. So they're not just uniquely you know uniquely defined for salespeople. Um, but I think to your point, it's incumbent upon all organizations to really work out whatever label, whatever title you might put on something, whether it's SDR or BDE or strategic sales or solution sales or customer success, whatever it might be, the, the really kind of key thing for the organization to understand is what are the underlying skills that I need this person to have to perform um, this role to the best of their ability? And, and those skills are going to be subtly different depending on where, on where you are in the funnel. Um, and there's no doubt at the top of the funnel, I think the colors and the, 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 the lines are more blurred between whether is the individual really selling or or are they are they paving the way for somebody else to sell? But in a way, that's right. that's an academic debate that people can have over a beer or a glass of wine. I think the more important thing is for each role in the organization, whatever title you're going to put in it, whether it's sales or anything else, what are the underlying skills that you as an organization believe the individual needs to have? Um, and, and this is where we see a sea change. We we in designing our curriculum, we we, we analyze job specs from organizations all over the world. 
And we were really astonished at how, and this is a good thing, by the way, at how um, how organizations, how complex and sophisticated the skills organizations want their salespeople to have, almost whatever the role is. So that's, that, for, that for us is great because organizations recognize they need the skill set. So once you've done that, that's key. And then the question is, well, are you finding people with those with those skills? And if you are, right. well done, you're probably ahead of the game. If you're not, you know, what are you going to do then? How, how, how do you respond to that? Because because firing them after 90 days and going back to the same limited talent pool probably isn't the right way, the right solution for it. So what do you do then? But I think to your point, there's different skills required at different roles, commercial roles, wherever they are in the sales funnel, and even post-sales and customer success account management. And the organization really needs to start there and work out what are those skills and, 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 and in what roles are which skills the most relevant and appropriate. Right. Yeah, and thinking as you're, as you're talking about, about it, uh, the job descriptions that you see so often, right? When a, a job is posted for uh, applications and, you know, sometimes I, I read through and think to myself, wow, they're looking for a pretty accomplished sales professional here, right? Uh, you know, uh, the number of years of experience, right? Uh, uh, you know, a particular specialization in an industry or a persona. And beyond that, they want, uh, you know, you to be, uh, you know, having some of the more, uh, we'll call them fringe uh, abilities, right? And, and it, it tends to be a, a description with a ton of bullets and uh, could be probably pretty daunting, especially if you think about folks that are new to sales, right? And don't have that maybe track record of success just yet. You know, they think to themselves, wow, I mean, I'm not even close to this, which may have an adverse effect when it comes to recruiting, right? Completely. And, 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 and I think that's the thing that you, you think about the fact that you've got this perception anyway. Then you look at these job specs with these ever more complicated. And by the way, they're right. So the employers are right. These are the skills that, they, that you do need to have. But are you really going to find somebody with all those skills? Are you turning people away? And are you making right. any commitments to develop those individuals when they come in? One of the things that, um, going back to the point about these being transversal skills, one of the things that we are seeing in our client base is that, um, again, this is a, a sea change in thinking around this kind of higher fired on culture versus, no, no, this is talent that's skilled and, 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 and highly skilled. And this is a career progression in the business. This, this is a portal into the business, whether it's a, into other sales roles or whatever. One of the big solutions for this talent shortage is actually recruiting from within, um, from, from either, either more junior or entry-level sales roles or from other functions in the business and raising the profile of sales as, a, as an aspirational right. career within the business. And um, one of the key things that we're seeing our customers doing is a lot of the use cases for us, yes, they're about developing skills for, for the job the individual's in today, but because they're taking a longer-term view about where that individual is going to end up in the business in the future, and um, they're also developing skills for the future. And, and that could be in sales or sales leadership or perhaps in other business functions in the business. Um, and and, and that, is a, that, again, is a key thing that an organization could do is look at this from a kind of a longer-term strategic perspective because your entry-level right. salespeople today at that top of the funnel where maybe you're thinking it's not as skilled a role as, as, as the senior account executive down the road well, well, the people you're hiring today might be those senior executives down the road. How do you begin to embed those skills in, 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 in their develop and, and develop them right now? And how do you build how do you build your talent pipeline from within as much as from without? All right. If the ideal, as we I think agreed, uh, is the ideal to bring folks from your organization into the open positions as they arise, right? Uh, higher internally, higher up internally. Well, what are some keys to keeping them on board and, and making sure that they are available to take on that next responsibility. 
Yeah, I, I think there's um, so, so there's a couple of things. And, and by the way, we, 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 you know, we, we shouldn't veer away from the fact that at the end of the day, your sales team needs to perform and they, they need to deliver a quote every month. So, so that, 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 that reality doesn't go yes, away in any of this. Um, but I think, uh, I think that today's uh, employment em, employee uh, wants a, a multifaceted um, uh, em, employment experience. It, it is not all about money. Even in sales, it's not all about money. And I think you've got to keep an eye on giving people the opportunity to develop. Certainly in the pandemic world now, you've got to have flexibility in terms of their, you know, the, the, the work logistics around them. Um, but I think a huge part of this is career development and, and, and offering them a path into something um, that they can move into in the future, whether that is within or without the sales or sales management or sales leadership. I mean, in the past, again, I'm, I'm going back and, and, and hopefully there aren't that many organizations still left doing this, but really it was pretty, it was pretty much a three-way fork in the road if you went into sales. If you, if you ended up there rather than choosing to go there, you know, you either got fired, you, you moved up into a more senior sales role, you went into sales management. And that was kind of it. And the organization never really opened up the possibility of you moving elsewhere. And I think the beauty about, about this, um, this redefinition of the skills required and this notion of transversal skills is that you learn how coachable people are, which is a huge factor in terms of talent management and talent strategy. And not only are people learning, but are they, you know, how are they responding to learning? And is, there, is, is their performance or their behaviors changing in response to learning? I think that tells you lots and teaches you lots about them and gives them the opportunity to develop and see, well, what, what opportunities, what what. Where could they land in an organization and how might they um, and how might they add value in other functions? And I think offering visibility of that and offering a path for that sometimes is as important as hard cash or money and all the incentives that go with that. I think it's a much more complex employer-employee relationship right now. And I think um, I think if you can if you can offer that kind of pathway and that vision for for and recognition of skills development and coaching, um, I, I I think you capture hearts and minds of people a lot, a lot a, an awful lot quicker. Um, than 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 you than perhaps people did in the past. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that. Uh, I'm personally, I can think of a number of instances in, uh, say, the last uh, two to five years where folks within the org have had a lot more interest in the idea of getting a training opportunity, right, or having some sort of budget allocated to their professional development through a third party resource or you know certification and. I think I'm definitely seeing that. And what you just said is, uh, you know, clearly a reality right now, you know, when in the past, you know, it was less nuanced, right? I think, you know, money or, or like you said, something spiff oriented, what were the, the levers that you could pull to really incent uh, sales folks, especially the, the younger ones, but they're hungry for development. And I think it has to do with that vacuum you talked about, uh, but also some of the characteristics of this uh, newest generation. I I I I was a real luddite in this one, and I you know Mayor Colby, hmm. I, I, it took me a long time to it took me a long time to to cop onto this. But um, when we're hiring, I, I I'm going back a few years now. I was struck how often in the interview process, the recruitment process, candidates would say you'd ask them about, well, you know, what do you want or what are you looking for, and they'd say, I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to I want to learn, I want to learn, and 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 I would have been old enough, too old, and I probably would have reacted thinking, well, no, no, you're not coming here to learn, you're coming here to perform and to come in and do a job, et cetera. <laughs> and it's right. taken me all this time to realize, no, actually, the, you know, employees today and, and candidates today have an insatiable desire to learn. It's never over. They have never stopped learning. They've never stopped wanting to learn. And that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing for an organization, but you do have to embrace it. 
Um, and as I say, I, I, I'll take full responsibility for being kind of the, the snail in that particular race, finally picking up on that after after the hundredth interview, Mike. You know, I finally yeah. finally latched onto the fact that finally no, I got it. Hearing them. Yeah, old habits, Alan. Old habits die hard. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I know what you mean. I can think of uh, uh, other similar examples uh, in, in my career for sure. But you know, you're right. I, I hear it more myself. And, you know, even if you listen to what people are, you know, publishing about themselves and their organizations, that this is something that people are excited about, right? And uh, it does have that ROI for the organization, right? And the leadership too. So uh, it's very forward thinking and something that people need to get on uh, for sure. So, you know, there's a sales shortage. There probably always has been to some degree, just worse now. Right. Yeah. There are ways uh, to address this multifaceted problem, right, that has legacy influences. And we talked a little bit about them today, right, in that development component is is really big part, as well as, uh, you know, making sure that you are thinking long term. Right. And, uh, you know, giving your folks the opportunity to grow in the way that you need to and, and, and build your own talent base. What are some things that, you know, these are kind of big picture, right? What are some things that maybe sales leaders can do at the, you know, day to day or the the weekly level uh, that can influence this uh, for themselves and their organizations? You know, what, what can they do tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's that's not an easy one um, uh, because no. I think it, it is a, it's a bigger picture issue. But I think um, I, I I think one of the first things here is kind of diagnosis of of, of the problem. So so we're we, we will reduce the discussion typically to a kind of a skills-based discussion. But moving away from that, if we think about what what is, what is the organizational issue here? Is it is it turnover, for example? Because the, the numbers are staggering. It's something, turnover in sales versus other functions, for lots of reasons we talked about, is something like three times, 3x, what it is in other functions in the business. So you've got to ask, is that my reality? Is that my problem? And, uh, and, and if it is, then, well, well, what's the diagnosis for that? What's causing that particular problem? Um, but sometimes it's not turnover. Sometimes it's growth in the business. You're going through an exponential growth period. You've got to get talent and get it fast. And, and is it all about bringing new people into the organization and, 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 and how am I, how, what difficulties am, I, difficulties am I finding around that? Sometimes it's it's internal mobility, career mobility within within the organization. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I have loads of people who are interested, but I'm not, they're not making the transition and I can't enable that. So I think... I think the first thing, you know, as I say, if, if we can all recognize there is a global challenge here, so that's not going to be fixed overnight. But at, at an individual organizational level or at a line management level, exactly what is your problem here? Get get under the skin of this, not just, oh, I've got a problem hiring and retaining salespeople. What's right. your specific problem? Is, is is it bringing people in? Is it is it turnover? Is it people leaving? Uh, what, why is that? Is, is, it, is it migrating people from internally in the organization? If you can diagnose that and the cause of that, then I think you're able to start sourcing the kind of solutions that you might be able to, to, to resolve for that. And, and the only other thing that we see our customers doing all the time, particularly on the, on the sales talent shortage side, is um, because the open market is so challenging, and, and, and even though we want to be a big part of the supply side solution here um, over years, uh, the, the, I, I think one of the things organizations are definitely doing is putting in place a really robust um, path for colleagues in other functions in the organization to go into sales. 
And, and that involves, again, make, making it slightly more attractive and less fearful for people to make that move, leveraging the corporate memory that you have sometimes about your product or your technology or the industry in which you sell. There's a huge amount of knowledge in the organization that yeah. is the basis for a brilliant salesperson. Um, so look at the talent you might already have and see, could it might be easier to backfill that talent if you're going to track some of the talent you have into sales. But if you're going to do that, you really have to de-risk that, that move and that path for them and, and make it something that, that, that you're going to harness the talent and skills you have, but, but make, it, make it in the same way if you're tracking somebody into finance or HR or marketing or, 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 or product development, you would invest in them. You would give them a, a shot at, a, at developing a career in that function. Do the same for sales. Just, just give it parity of esteem and, and, and equality. Um, I, I, I think looking internally could be the, the quickest fix. We, can, we certainly see our customers doing it. It could be the quickest fix we could recommend once you've diagnosed the problem that you have. Yeah, I think uh, that's really great. And I think that's a good takeaway for the audience there. You know, think, think about your problem specifically. Right. Yeah. We talked about, you know, just, you know, the whys of, you know, sales not being looked at as a, a desirable or, uh, you know, legitimate uh, path to go down for, for aspiring professionals. But think about that. Right. You know, folks in organizations see salespeople being successful. They see people potentially happy, uh, you know, in the role that they're doing. Yet there's still uh, apprehension that you have to cut through because it's been ingrained in them that sales is one thing or another that may not align with you know what they're looking for right so I could, could couldn't agree more and, and this and this is this is a tiny example but this is potentially how acute the problem is in terms of perception I, I spoke to a business last week um, and they were they were doing exactly what we talked about they were bringing a, 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 an existing resource and, and and putting them into a sales role I'm going to call it a sales role because that's that's the word that springs to mind. Um, but fascinatingly, Mike, to the very point you just made, that individual was really keen, really, really excited about the opportunity, really excited about the job, but they would not accept the word sales in the job title. So, so they really, they, I, I can't remember what title they ended up with, but but they did not want sales in the job title. And and I mean that for me is 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 a well, the good news is it's an easy fix for organizations if that's all you have to do. And what title you give people doesn't matter once they're performing. Right. But what a sad commentary on the perception of sales as a profession that, that somebody who's excited about a role is looking at it in black and white, knows it, knows what's involved, knows the skills they need to develop to, do, to, to deliver it. They just don't want it in their title, thanks very much. That's 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 horrifying to hear. But, that, yeah, but again, that, 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 that hopefully is a, <laughs> a, it's hopefully a potential fix for organizations. You can think laterally about this. And, and yep, you know, yep. once the underlying performance metrics are the same and once the skills required are, are appropriate for the role, really what label you put in it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I think uh, that's incredibly interesting right there. Uh, that somebody you know wants to roll every box they're probably looking for is checked, but the idea that they'd be a, a quote unquote sales person, uh, you know, was something that they went so far as to say, "I need this to be changed if I'm going to, if I'm going to move forward," which yeah. no says a lot, right? It's a, it's it really one does. one scenario, right? Of course, it, it, you know, it's a standalone example, but. You know, I suspect that there's other uh, others like it happening, and it, again, is a byproduct of this whole uh, uh, question of, you know, why is there a sales shortage? What to be done about it? And I think, Alan, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation and your thoughts on this, and you know how uh, you and ESI are trying to uh, help uh, companies tackle the problem. Uh, it's it just, in my opinion, awesome work. So uh, I want to thank you again. 
uh, for coming on the show and sharing all these uh, great ideas. I think, you know, if I was to summarize uh, for the audience and, and just organizing our thoughts here, you know, there is a sales shortage globally, right? It has deep roots. And uh, because the market is changing, there have been unintended consequences that have maybe made the problem even larger in some cases. But there's hope, right? We need to change how uh, we do things in, in, in certain cases. Uh, specifically, we need to think about how we're developing new and legacy uh, employees and team members, right? Uh, ensure that the talent base is something that we are impacting uh, as much as we can, right? When given the opportunity. And then, uh, you know, think creatively and specifically about your problem, right? You know, how is your org unique or different uh, to others that are experiencing the same obstacles? And be very, you know, uh, we'll call it, uh, you, know, you know, surgical about how you approach it and make sure that you're solving uh, specific to, uh, you know, your day to day and where you want to go uh, uh, in the future. So just awesome stuff here. Uh, and Alan, I want to make sure that we give the audience uh, an opportunity to reach out to you uh, and to ESI if they want to discuss this further. If uh, one of our audience members wanted to, to touch base, how would they do so? Well, first of all, Mike, thanks so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Love the conversation as well and love to do it again sometime. There's plenty more where this came yes. from, I can tell you. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, really appreciate it. So, so we're the Entrepreneurial Sales Institute, ESI. You'll find us at esinstitute.com. Uh, you'll find me at amaguire at esinstitute.com. Um, that's Maguire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E. Uh, and of course, you'll get me on LinkedIn anytime as well, Alan Maguire. And I'd love to hear from any listeners or anybody who, who hears this podcast and we'd love your views. We, 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 we really are passionate about this stuff and we'd love to hear what you think about what you heard today or, or what our, our mission generally. So, so uh, love being part of the conversation uh, wherever in the world that might be. Thanks so many for having us, Mike. Of course. Yes. And uh, uh, to our listeners, I've had a chance now to, to speak to Alan about this uh, beyond even just this, uh, you know, this particular episode. And I can tell you that uh, he, he's, he's onto something. He has a very good handle of this problem. And I, and I encourage you to reach out and, and leverage uh, his skill set and ESIs if you're trying to uh, navigate some of these obstacles we've discussed today. So uh, again, thank you, Alan. Uh, that concludes our show for today. But Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast will be back next month. Uh, we have some great guests lined up in the, uh, you know, we'll call it the remainder of fall and into winter. And uh, please make sure that you're subscribing and following to the pod wherever you get you know, your content. And if you have feedback, leave it. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. Uh, feedback so far has been greatly appreciated and it helps us get better. And that's what we're looking to do. Make this useful and valuable to our audience. So again, thanks everyone for joining. And Alan, uh, I hope to do this again sometime soon too. Have a great day. Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.